everybody, welcome back to The Millionaire Marriage. This is Taylor Kovar here with Jeremy Gilliam, and today we have a doozy of an episode for you. This is one that our entire team has been wanting to do since day one. It has been on the list, and today is the day we're yes. doing it. Today we're going to be talking about, are you living with a narcissist? And uh, I think this goes into all sorts of things. I'm excited about this episode. Jeremy, let's let you kick it off from the mental health professional right. side. Explain if somebody doesn't know what a narcissist is. Okay. Um, explain what that is. And if you're listening, you're like, oh man, I'm that person or, oh no, I'm married to that person. Stick with us. We'll help you out and uh, we'll get through this together. All right. So starting off talking, talking about narcissism, we're going to talk about the origin of it. So while obviously I don't ascribe to Greek mythology, it comes from Greek mythology, like the, like the original idea. And so let me first digress because I think some people think that the whole selfie movement and how good can I look is new. It's not at all. Like, again, the Greeks were talking about this for a particular reason, um, especially when you consider like Greek culture and then Roman culture. It was very much they were concerned about appearance. So the Greek mythology is about a guy named Narcissus. And the whole idea behind it was that he was looking for love with a particular woman. So in all the wrong places, as some would yeah. say. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's exactly okay. right. Man, just <laughs> mic drop on me. Yeah, he's looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, and what ends up happening is he he denies this particular woman, and to make a long story short, finds himself at a riverbed and sees his reflection and becomes so engrossed with himself that he ends up drowning and dying there because he couldn't get away from the image he saw. The, the problem and the idea behind this is that the image he saw was not himself. It was the external appearance. And so, and then that's just a, a brief synopsis of the story. So the idea behind narcissism um, was really coined by, unfortunately, by the famed psychologist Sigmund Freud. And he basically was positing the idea that there are people that exhibit these types of behaviors with other people. Um, and so when you start looking at narcissism, it's characterized by like the external grandiose seeming love for self, a lack of empathy, things of that nature. And there's some other ideas I have concerning concerning narcissism, but it's this, this over inflated sense of ego. Uh, we may call it conceited sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. That really goes hand in hand. Yeah, it does. Appearances of cons- of being conceited. Gotcha. A constant need of affirmation, wanting others around you to look their best because them looking good makes you look good too. And so when it comes to being in a narcissistic relationship, I was reading um and it's really fascinating, so I read an entire academic article over it, which is again like watching paint dry, and it was like I don't know if it was like 20 pages and so the article is on can a narcissistic relationship last or does it have meaning? And the end result was no. I mean, they're very short lived. There's very little relationship satisfaction because when you're dealing with somebody who is narcissistic, there's this constant need for them to feel valued and loved. And here's what I will say. Um, not to not to be political by any means, but there's a lot of politicians we vote for and that people support almost uh, at the expense of themselves that are unbelievably narcissistic. But yet, oh, they're my party on either. Oh, it, does, yeah. it doesn't matter. And uh, well, I, I support them. It's like, well, I mean, they may be a good politician or a good leader, but they are a 
a absolute narcissist and really terrible one too. And so when you consider narcissism in relationships or just in general, um, it was so interesting that where we decided to do this podcast, cause I'm reading a book right now on when narcissism shows up to church. And it's like, when you look at this, this idea as a whole, you see this play out in a lot of relationships, whether it's your work environments, church settings, romantic relationships, and it's so challenging to overcome when you're not a narcissist, but you're working for one, you're living with one, you go to church with one because there's this constant need for them to feel valued by you. And when they don't feel valued anymore, when when you have stopped serving their purpose, they look mm. for another participant. I mean, victim. <laughs> wow. I like how you put that, stop serving their purpose. Yeah. Their purpose. I think, you know, with narcissist you know one of the definitions or one of the characteristics of it is as an inflated sense of importance yeah and that's what it, you know i'm important you you are here to serve me i'm the vip yes right and i think as kids sometimes i know my kids are always like are we vips you know are we vips and when we're doing this <laughs> yeah. or that i'm like no like you're not a vip at mcdonald's okay yeah. like no that's not how it works, not how it works. <laughs> but i think you know we're raised in this culture nowadays um and in, and i know we were talking off air about how narcissism has increased um in the united states right in our culture yeah. over the last 50 years and and i think i don't think that's going away I think with right. social media and selfies and hey, how many likes do we get? Yes. I, I don't I don't see that going away anytime soon. Right. So, so I, it was really interesting. I, I was I was I tagged in with a, a clinical psychologist and I was watching some of her stuff on narcissism. And I think what she said is so incredibly valuable. She said narcissists are made, not born. Mm. You're not born a narcissist. You're made into one. And so you talk about our culture and our society we we perpetuate narcissism in our kids and her definition was i wish i could think of her name she's a great clinical psychologist but her how she said narcissism narcissists are made is when parents overinflate their children's external in essence while denying their internal makes everything about external so it'd be a parent that yeah. will freak out at the kids baseball game oh that's my kid and they're going nuts but when they're home they are not emotionally present they are not uh affirming to their child their children's opinion actually does not matter and so there's this contrast between external and internal that produces and breeds narcissism in children so what ends up happening is they get so asphyxiated on the external praise that their parents give them and this is why like especially with our kids we try to be very intentional by not just praising their external attributes like oh audrey you're so beautiful like no like you are you are courageous you're smart you're thoughtful you're compassionate and obviously we do tell our kids, hey, you look yeah. handsome, you look beautiful. But I also want my kids to understand that that life is more than just the external people see. And this is really, and you look at the teachings of Jesus, right? And with the Pharisees, he condemned them, not not because they looked good, but because they looked good and were dead inside. Yeah, that's, all they, that's what they focused on. As long that's as you looked good on the outside, it didn't matter what the inside was. That is exactly right. And so that's how narcissism gets bred into people. And I really do agree with her, her, her opinion and assessment that 
narcissism is it's it's produced it's not it's not born and so when you look at being in a narcissistic relationship and I made the I made the joke off air. It's can narcissistic relationships last? No. So what do you do if you're in a narcissistic relationship? Just wait, it'll end. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because again, once you stop serving their purpose, once you stop being, you know, their good luck charm, or you stop being the trophy hanging around their arm for men or women, although it is more predominant in men, when you stop being what they need, well, then they're done with you. And the challenge, like people ask, can narcissism be overcome? Yes, but like it would take somebody who actually realizes the error of their ways. And that's the challenge with narcissism is they get it's like it's like uh, the Greek mythology. You get so captivated with yourself that you end up dying there internally, I'll say, because you're so asphyxiated on you. That it's so difficult to allow others to break through that. And so oftentimes what happens is people realize they're narcissistic or not, not often, but do when they see it drastically impacting their kiddos, their intimate relationships and impacting that. And they go, holy cow, like, what am I doing? Yeah. But it's so difficult because they end up just getting asphyxiated again. They get fixed on who they are. Yeah, a lot, you know, if I fix my kids, I'm even better. Yeah. You know, it, it does, it just builds that, I say, confidence or inflated sense yeah. of confidence. And so, Jeremy, let's talk about some of the traits of a narcissist. Yeah. I think we can definitely talk about, you know, we want to give hope to people who are a narcissist or who are maybe married yeah. or in a relationship yeah. with one. And it does, it starts with a lot of knowing them, recognizing who they are, and then yeah. obviously seeking help. And yeah. it's a daily struggle. Um, but some of those characteristics of a narcissist, um, and I just, a quick little list here, right, is one has lacks empathy for others. Yeah. Lacks empathy for others. Okay. And, so let me, let me tag you with this. Yeah. We were talking about this just a minute ago. Yeah, so. so here, here's thoughts I have concerning the lack of empathy. Cause you, this is like, you hear this a lot when it comes to people with narcissism. Well, they just lack empathy. Empathy is being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and feel what they feel. So the challenge I have with that is that there's a fascinating field of interpersonal neurobiology that it is, we are constantly mapping and tracking each other. And so when you say someone lacks empathy, you're saying they do not have the ability to feel. Well, then how do they know how to hurt you? How do they know how to get their way? Because mm-hmm. that's the like manip- part of being a narcissist is being manipulative, right? You have, to, you have to be able to get what you want. And to be able to get what you want, you have to know what they're thinking and feeling in order to manipulate them to get what you want. So here's what I'll say. Well, I, I I think I understand what people mean by lack of empathy. I think it's maybe the opposite. They have an extreme heightened sense of empathy. So they know exactly what to say, what to do to get you to fall in love with them, to serve their purposes, for you to serve their purpose. And in order to do that, you have to actually be able to feel what they feel. They got to be able to put yourself in their shoes to know what you how, how are they going to respond when I say this, when I do this, when I act this way. Yeah, so I agree. I, I think lacking empathy, I think, is a maybe a manipulative way of saying that. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, one of the other traits is having an inflated sense of importance. Yes. I think we speaks for itself a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. Yes. 
excessive need. I think yes. everybody likes attention and admiration, or most sure, people, sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I don't think anybody would say, no, I don't want the award. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but having that deep need where it is psychologically, that's what you're going after yeah. day in, day out. And again, we talk about social media and the likes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so Instagram and Facebook have both done tests where they removed the like option. You know, yeah, where yeah, they yeah, yeah. hid them so you wouldn't know how many likes you got or how, you know, other people wouldn't be able to see how many likes you got. Um, and I think there was a huge outcry from a lot of influencers saying, well, I need that, right? Well, like, that's, that's how I get, gauge my engagement or, you or know, you're not getting else. the hit of dopamine. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so I think having that deep need for ex- excessive attention and admiration, we see that a lot in um, couples that we deal with who they say, you know, the husband typically, typically is, is a narcissist. And, you know, I'm putting food on the table. I'm striving. I'm working. I, I have to go out and, and yeah, do more. Yeah. And I have to grow this business because you know that's how we support this family. Well, in reality, at some point, you're not working to put food on the table. Yeah. Like, you're, you're making more than a money. You're not, you're not working to put food on the table. You're not working in order to provide your kids working a better to get future. More. You're working to get more. Excess. Yeah. That's it. You're working so that other people can see Yikes. you have a builder building. You have more employees. You have X number of awards on the wall. You're working for that, not for your family. So I want to tag in off that. And I, I would love your perspective because I mean, you've heard a lot of businesses. You're an entrepreneur. You, you know what yeah. I mean? This is what it is. And so the book I'm reading, by the way, you should, everyone should check it out. Okay, let me digress. So, or backtrack for half a second. When I, when I talk about books, I'll recommend books. That I don't agree with everything that's inside the book. So just to clarify that, but there's good stuff inside of it. Yes. So the book is called when a narcissist or when narcissism comes to church. And here's what this guy found. And he's been studying narcissism in church settings for a long time. Here's what he found. And I want to get your take on this as an entrepreneur because church planting is entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. How would you say? Is that the the right word? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make it. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll roll with it. It works. He said, he said that there are inflated levels of narcissism in church planners because they say, look what I've done and look what I've built. Mm. So what are your thoughts about that from an entrepreneur perspective? Mm. Yeah, you know, it's really hard. There's a there's a something called a small business owner syndrome and it's like documented. I mean, it is we learned about it in in college and it's where you go and create a small business and once you've made it, right? In theory, whatever level of success that means, um you know it, right? And you're the man. Yeah. And and we see that a lot in in churches and church plants of well like I, I've built a church. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate it. I've built a church. I've yeah. been there. This is what I have done. <laughs> yes. Right. And that small business owner syndrome relays, it flows perfectly into the church as well. Whether you actually planted the church or you grew the church, right. Or yeah. part of the growth of that church um, where it goes, I'm, I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the one. I should be the one writing the books. I should be the one doing speeches. I should be the one doing this. I don't know why anybody else would ever ask anybody else. I'm yeah. the one that should be. And you don't take the advice from anybody else. You know, so we see that a lot. We see it in some churches who their board is, I say board of directors or board of advisors or, you know, they're, they're different yeah. advisor advisory teams where it's always, well, you know, I appreciate you guys and your thoughts, but we're doing it this way. Yeah. Right. I got us here. And so I'm going to get us there. Low levels of accountability. That's it. Low levels of accountability. And there's a great book, again, another book called uh, What get, What Gets You Here Won't Get You There or, or What Got <laughs> You Here Won't Get You There. Um, and it's one that I've read a lot. And, and it's it talks about there are great people on your team who you may have starting off building a company. And they're really great to get you from, you know, zero dollars in sales to uh, or just a million dollars in yeah. sales. Right. But if you want to get to ten million dollars in sales, those same people probably aren't the same people. 
They're, they're probably going to be different people um, and those same tactics, same processes. But yet the CEO, or in this case, the pastor is still the one there. Yeah. And so having to realize, hey, I'm just because I was able to get it to this point doesn't mean I can get it to where we really want to yeah. be, where we have five church plans, where we have this or that, uh, where we can expand the kingdom efficiently and effectively. Yeah. It takes more than just me. Um, and I think a lot of times we forget as entrepreneurs that it takes a team. And I try to hire people that are smarter than me, right? That's why I approached you to say, hey, Jeremy, you want to start this podcast? Uh, I, need, I need somebody smarter than me to come help on this podcast. Um, but no, you hire people that are smarter than you to help make it a reality. Yeah. And and sometimes those people change. But overall, it's keeping that in, in their mind that, hey, this isn't me. Right? At the end yeah. of the day, this is God's business. Yeah, sure. Right? And then if it, if it fails... You know, I'm not saying it's on God, but this is God's business, and it's yeah. just like it's God's church. And a lot of times, as pastors, at least the pastors that we've worked with, some of the pastors. I'm not saying this is across the board, obviously. Sure, but yeah, yeah. Some pastors, it's very much you know, this is like this is my church. Yeah. You know, yes, it's it's God's house, but it's my church, and so I, I don't want to get way far down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But this is, um, you know, we see this in relationships as well. Of right. hey, I was already, I was already financially sound before you came along. I don't need you. Yeah. Right? I, don't, I don't need you. And we see some, we have some very wealthy clients whose spouses are like, I, I know that they could leave me at any moment and it wouldn't affect them at all. Like they, we already have somebody who cooks and cleans. We already have somebody who does the books. We already have somebody like, I mean, outside of being this glorified roommate, if they left tomorrow or if I left tomorrow, it wouldn't affect them, their life at all. And it's a really right. strong sense of you're not, you're not a team at that point. Yeah. You're, you're not living as a team. You're not working as a team. Yeah. There's definitely appears to be a lot of traits of narcissism yeah. in there. So, okay. Thank you for saying what you just said, traits of narcissism. Cause I do want to clarify this because I think people may be confused. The actual diagnosable narcissistic personality disorder is actually really low. The statistic may be wrong, but it's, I want to say like 2% of the population. It's really low. I mean, I would assume most people aren't going to the doctor saying, Hey, I'm dealing with Narcissism, right? Give so, me a diagnosis so it may be unre- maybe unreported too, yes. or underreported. Yeah. However, I do think that there are people with narcissistic traits or tendencies. So you may not because the di- the like the DSM, which is what it is. It's anyways, just is what it is. Um, it lists several criteria, and you have to meet X amount of criteria in order to have the diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. However, there are people that definitely have these type of traits, and so the question that then becomes, so we've talked about narcissism. It's a, it's definitely it's impact. It's low levels of relational satisfaction. Um, I would probably also categorize this with, if you're an employer, prop, well, probably high turnover rate. Not mm-hmm. always, but yeah. potent, potentially. Definitely. Be, because when people stop being a benefit to you and to your image and your company, it's, well, time to get rid of you. Um but when it comes to relationships, I, w- one thing that ends up happening when you are living with a narcissist and you are experiencing their effects, I think you end up feeling used, small, worthless, and insignificant. Mm. Because once you stop fulfilling, again, their purpose, it ends up leaving you feeling empty because you couldn't measure up to their level of whatever it may be. And this is why it sounds odd, but narcissistic people are very much concerned with how the people around them look. That sounds weird because you say, well, aren't narcissistic people concerned about themselves? 
Yes, that's the point. Yeah. Is if you don't look good, then they don't look good. So they're mm-hmm. very much concerned mm-hmm. also with your external appearance and how good you can perform or what you can do for them. So in especially if you don't have those tendencies, you you end up leaving feeling worthless, insignificant, small because you couldn't fulfill their expectations. And so relationships that have one or both people now, uh, there are, I mean, you, you can definitely get in a relationship with a narcissistic person and they're just generally, they're short lived. They end up uh, the one study I read, which was a fascinating study um, said they generally are short lived and often end in, in infidelity. Um, and it makes sense when you think about yeah. how n- people that have those tendencies or are diagnosable uh, tend to just use people, make me look good, make me feel good. Um, but don't want to put the work in that actually takes to have a meaningful relationship. Another trait or potential warning sign you're living with a narcissist is if you're constantly being gaslighted. And this is something that's, that's talked about. It's, yeah. it's definitely talked about a lot more than it ever has been. The essence of being gaslighted is when the person that you're with ends up denying what you do see and minimizing your reality. So for instance, it's like, oh, well, why did you do that? Do what? Now that's not how it went at all. You're making things up. Mm. No, 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 no. Yeah. That's, that's not how this conversation went at all. Yeah. I never said that. Yeah. yeah, No, I didn't say it. I didn't say it like that. You're, you're, you're crazy. Yeah. You're like, were we in the same conversation? No, no, no. Like you did say, no, I, no, no, you, you, you've lost your mind. Here's what ends up happening. Check this out with people with infidelity and that also have narcissistic tendencies is because what happens, and this is why if people open their eyes, like if you're in a relationship, you just open your eyes, pay attention. You will, you will see red flags. You'll either choose to ignore them or do something about what you do see. But what ends up happening is with infidelity, especially if you have narcissistic tendencies, when your spouse confronts you about it, they go, something's wrong. No, no, nothing's wrong. No, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable in this situation. You're just making stuff up. Mm. There's, there's nothing there. No, like I saw, I saw your text message. There's nothing there. There's nothing to be seen. Yeah. It's just a coworker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, we were just talking about choir. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, and that's definitely when you get gaslighted and it's like, you go, hold on a second and then you makes you question yourself am am i insane yeah like is am i like do i need help because i thought i saw this but like this person i trust and i'm using air quotes here i trust is saying that i'm there's something incorrect about my perception now here's what i will say about that at times your perception may be incorrect it's possible but the whole idea behind being gaslighted is that you're constantly being denied your reality when you actually are seeing things and you're going, I know what I'm seeing, but that the narcissistic person is like, no, no, you're not seeing what you're seeing. Those are some warning signs. Another warning sign is if you are, if you are constantly having to prop up the person in your relationship with to make them feel good about them, 
get again it's this it's this what would you say it's this excessive need yeah. for admiration i have to have people praise me i have to have people tell me i'm amazing i have to have everything be perfect and if you don't tell me how great i am i think narcissism is just kind of a lot's flooding my mind right now so i'm talking a lot and i apologize taylor but i think narcissism is the height of a reflected sense of self because you just like the the Greek mythology, like you can't stand on your own two feet. And so you, you have to be reflected back what looks good to you. So the idea behind a reflected sense of self is that in order for me to actually feel good, another idea behind narcissism is like you're empty inside. And so I have to have this need for approval to fill me. And that's, this is like the epitome of reflected sense of self. When I have to have you tell me that I'm amazing so I don't feel dead inside anymore. Mm. Man. Yeah, that's the, I, I think you're right on target. I think what we see so much nowadays and what we've seen a lot in young married couples that we've worked with is they're so consumed with kind of what everybody else thinks, right? Yeah. So if you don't look good, I don't look good means we don't look good, which means we are lower than and, yeah. and that's not acceptable right here yeah. in this family is that is when we see the the facebook pictures look phenomenal but yet they're sleeping in separate bedrooms right and and I, we've seen that time yeah. and time and time again oh, of man. i'm gonna post my highlights or we look really good or we're in public we're doing excessive pda so everybody knows how madly in love we are <laughs> in reality you're not touching at all anytime else right Right, anytime else right um and so yeah i think those are all a lot of signs and we've talked about emotional immaturity yeah um, in this as well this flows right in with that but jeremy we had a we had a question that i wanted to to bring up to you yeah. does being raised by narcissistic parents or parent cause a child to subconsciously pick a narcissistic partner what are your a, thoughts on that yeah that's a great question okay so because narcissism is produced it's um, developed, not born with. So you end up, you see your parents act a certain way. So I think it causes you to be produced a certain way. But does that mean you're drawn to people who are narcissistic? Or are you or are you drawn to somebody who you can manipulate? Yeah, I think the answer is yes. Just both. Yeah. And here's why I say that. Um, so the old saying, "Birds of a feather flock together." Right. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why birds or people that are this like similar or extreme opposites attract one another because it's normal or familiar to them. And so if you grew up with narcissistic parents, I think you have the potential to be narcissistic or I think you could also have the potential to be so the only word that's coming to mind is submissive. That's not the right word though. You could be such the opposite that you enter into this pleasing mode where I have got a please, please, please. And that's definitely something that I think narcissism feeds on. So, and that's why I think, I think it is possible. Yes, because, and here's the thoughts. So let's say you live with narcissistic parents. And so you go to the opposite and you go into pleasing mode and you are extremely agreeable. It's easy to then find somebody that is constantly needing to be pleased. And so it's like, the narcissist is looking for that and you're looking, you're also looking for somebody to please to fulfill your own empty sense of self. 
So I think it is possible. I think it is possible. Yes. Um, I, I, I think those type of people can magnetize themselves to one another because they, it's as sad as this is, it's, it's like a symbiotic relationship. They're both getting what they need out of it, even though it's unbelievably toxic and unhealthy. The narcissist is needing somebody to fulfill them. And the person that is empty inside because they were only, you know, they were raised by a narcissistic parent is looking to constantly please. And they've lost their own autonomy. They have lost their own sense of being. So they end up finding their sense of being in their narcissistic partner who and, and inevitably just uses them. And then when they're finished, they're finished. Yeah. And so I definitely think that's that's very possible. Jeremy, let me jump in. I got one more thing. You know, there are people here that are listening to the podcast today saying, I live with a narcissist. I know this. I didn't know it when I got married, yeah. but I'm here. I When I said my vows, I said till death do us part. I said for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, I'm I'm stuck. Yeah. Right. And I've heard that word so many times dealing with, yeah. with, with young couples of I'm stuck. I can't get out of this. I'm stuck. This was not the person I thought I married. And we, we've yeah. talked about that before. Yeah. What would you say to that person? How do you how do you combat that? Most of our listeners are faith based Christian yeah. who who they took those vows and they're serious and they yeah. took them before God and they they realize, hey, I'm I'm 25 and I'm stuck yeah. for the next 70 years of my life. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you say? Okay. And I'm asking Jeremy the therapist, Jeremy the Bible school yeah, professor, right, the, right, the, right. the preacher. So yeah, I, I I'm I'm conflictual, and here's why. Um, and we've talked about divorce on our on our podcast. And here's why I'm conflictual: is I do believe that marriages are covenant based, not contractual. But the challenge is, is when you are with somebody that is just using you, you end up getting used up. And I think the sad, sad reality is, and again, just from the studies I've read the relationship probably won't last and you're going, well, I want to make it, I want to make it last. I want to make it work. So a couple of thoughts come to mind. If you want to make it last, you want to make it work. It's really only a few things that can happen. You're going to completely lose yourself completely. And you'll lose all autonomy or you, you can get help, but this is assuming the person you're in a relationship with wants help. So if you are determined to make your relationship work, so I think it's a, it's, it's admirable. Mm-hmm. I think there, there's going to need to be intervention. Most likely outside of your marriage. I mean, you may need to get help from a pastor, assuming they know how to deal with a narcissist, a mental health professional that you trust, because what happens again is, because of this overinflated sense of self and the tendency to gaslight is when you're going to say, I'm really concerned about this behavior. What behavior? What are you talking about? And so having a neutral third party to help, unfortunately, balance out the power would probably be one of the best things that they could do. So if you're living with a narcissist and you're listening going like, my husband or my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. They don't even know I'm listening to this right now. What do I do? I would definitely strongly recommend reaching out to a mental health professional, somebody that understands and that can work because it's, I mean, 
and I'm, I'm going to make no, no illusion about it. I think it's an uphill battle. I, can it be overcome? Yes. People that have that either have narcissistic tendencies or are actually diagnosable can get better. It takes a lot of work though. It takes an unbelievable amount of intentionality because they have, they have to want to actually look in the mirror, not at themselves, but at their, at their behaviors in order to try to do something different. So I've said it many times on our podcast and I'll say a million times more. Can any relationship work? Yes. Any relationship can work if both people are willing to put the time and effort in to make it work. And when it comes to narcissistic people, they have to actually see what they're doing in order to do something about what they see, or they have to not only see, allow themselves to see, right? Cause you, I mean, you, yeah. you know, when you're an idiot Oh yeah, most of the time. <laughs> so you have to allow, you have to allow yourself to see, to really work through what's happening. Um, so I want to hopefully encourage people that if you feel like you're living in a narcissistic relationship, that there is hope, but it, it's it's up it's an uphill journey though yeah no there isn't and i think this is a good way to end it uh let our listeners know if you're in that relationship um feel free to reach out to us we're happy to help guide you toward a, a professional that can help you um and we have resources here that we can we can help provide you and your spouse and then also if you have a friend who who you know is going going through this hey send them this episode absolutely um again where our team is here we love to help um go to our website go to our social media pages the, the millionaire marriage and um, we'll be praying for you and we will see you next episode.